Good morning, Spiritual Crusaders. This is Sherry Jorgensen, and I am here to talk about the power and the excitement of the Book of Mormon. I absolutely love this book. I cannot even tell you. It changes my life every single time, and yay, we get to study it for Come Follow Me this week, this week, this year, whole year. So I really enjoyed the New Testament last year. I learned so much. I invite everybody to come and do the Book of Mormon Come Follow Me program. You can check it out on churchofjesuschrist.org. Go to Study Helps, and then Come Follow Me, and it will pull up a schedule to help you stay on track with the rest of us. It's a Bible study or a scripture study, and it will change your life. The Book of Mormon absolutely 100% stands side by side the Bible in restoring the truthfulness in its fullness, the truth in the fullness. Heavenly Father is so mindful of this life and so incredibly understanding and compassionate and full of love that he has put in a plan to make sure that we were not lost into a state of ignorance. I find that to be absolutely amazingly awesome. So before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about spiritualcrusade.com. Spiritualcrusade.com has, I think there's six, seven of us who put in daily effort to studying the scriptures and trying to put content out there so that you can also have added study help. Of course, there's nothing better than the Holy Ghost. So as you prayerfully study your scriptures and prepare yourself for teaching your families and lessons and talks, we would love to have you come to our website, browse through it, search words that you're studying, and let us help you in your spiritual growth. That is spiritualcrusade.com. We do have podcasts. We have a YouTube channel, and then we have the website that is full of goodness. So... The Book of Mormon, the Book of Mormon has changed my life ever since I decided to fall in love with it. Craig Conover, my brother, who's the founder of spiritualcrusade.com, was a young boy who understood the power of the Book of Mormon from, I can't remember how young he was, when he really started to just embrace it and fall in love with it. But I have the cutest story because it stuck with me for all these years. I remember that he would offer to pay. So I was probably, how much older am I than Craig? I can't even remember, but let's say I'm five years older than Craig. He would offer to pay me a dollar for reading my Book of Mormon. And that sacrifice from a young boy, and I can't remember if I even read it, if he ever paid me any money, but just that devotion, because a dollar was a lot to Craig. It was a lot. It was hard work. He had to work hard to get those dollars. And he offered to pay all his brothers and sisters because he knew the power that was in the scriptures. And he knew the power that was in the Book of Mormon. As I've read this last week, just through the first Nephi, so we're just going to talk about just what we've embraced this last week in the sense that just to give you an understanding of how much power and how much growth can be done in just a few chapters, a few books, and each one of you can find your own personal application of the scriptures for what you're going through. The Lord will speak. They are alive. The Lord will speak to you from the scriptures. I promise you. In fact, my favorite challenge, I've mentioned a thousand times on my podcast and on the spiritual crusade, but I cannot say it enough because it will change your life. Anybody who decides to commit to it, 
is awestruck with how much inspiration they can draw from the scriptures when combined with prayer and asking the Lord, seeking for answers. He asks us to come and inquire of him. And that's one of the things I love in the Book of Mormon when Nephi, he goes and he seeks the Lord's counsel. Lehi was asked to do difficult things. Take your family into the wilderness and travel, you know, across the wilderness for eight years and then hit the sea and go across unknown waters, uncharted waters, ocean waters, by the way. They're rough and not very um, forgiving to a land of promise, a land that you've never been to. Nobody's ever been to that you know of. And so you don't really know what you're doing or where you're going. Your kids don't know what they're doing or where they're going. It is on full trust, full trust of the Lord and full trust of their father. Absolutely miraculous. All of these brothers and sisters, Laman and Lemuel, Nephi, Sam, every single one of them that followed Lehi was absolutely amazing. I realized that Laman and Lemuel were rebellious at heart. And so they fell into a darkened state for a long time with their generations dead. But as far as the obedient side, it's so impressive. They went, they did so many things that are so impressive. And we can learn a lot from them because the adversary is ever working hard on us as well. I mean, he just will not stop. The guy is the most stubborn living devil on the earth. <laughs> he just does not give a break ever. And so we can really learn a lot from them in the sense that we've got to keep our hearts in the right place. And anyhow, so Lehi, I mean, Nephi went to the Lord. He asked the Lord, please help me to understand what you're telling my father so that I can follow in full trust and full faith as well. And the Lord asked him, he says, do you believe your father? Yes, I do. And I want to know for myself. And then, they, and then the Lord shouts, Hosanna, Hosanna, you believe? Like, yay! This is the greatest joy you can bring, Heavenly Father. And I know that because as a mother, when my children will listen to me and they'll allow me to talk to them or to give them advice and then they heed that advice, I cannot tell you the joy that just fills my whole soul as I feel, yes, they're listening. Because we labor so diligently to save our children and to help them and to feed them and to nourish them and to just protect them everything we possibly can and then when they actually give into that counsel it's just elation is just out the door i mean it's just so exciting i know how the father feels the exact same way he wants us to follow him he wants us to believe in him to trust him to let him lead us like i've got this i have a big picture i know what you're going through i know what you're gonna go through and i know what's ahead of you and i can help you if you will allow me to help you, I will help you. And that is what Nephi does. Nephi goes to him and says, help me. Help me understand so that I can follow you fully. And what happens? He is given vision to understand what his father saw and to help, help him know Heavenly Father's plan. And this gives him so much strength throughout the entire journey. I think it's the difference between Nephi, Laman, and Lemuel was the fact that he had that desire to know what his father said, not just obey blindly, but to know and to ask Heavenly Father, who then gives, there is so much power in God, right? So when you ask Him for understanding, that's going to give you strength that nothing else can give you, that like nothing else can give you, because it's, it's a power that you can't just summon yourself, especially when you're in ignorance, right? We're talking about, He talks about that. I don't want them to suffer in ignorance. So when you're wandering through the wilderness or in our life, when we're wandering through trials and we're going through really hard things or we're doing things that we're asked to endure situations that are difficult and 
beyond our ability on our own to see where this is all going and why. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, have you ever been there? You're just, why? So anyhow, he comes back from talking to the Lord and he asks Laman and Lemuel, have you inquired of the Lord? And they say, no, the Lord has not come to us, has not told us anything. That's a key point there. Stop for one second. We have to go to the Lord. Why does he have us go to him? Why? Well, the scriptures have showed us over and over again that when he comes to us, for some reason, we don't, it's not the same motion. It doesn't affect the person being come to in the same intensity right? So there's a more of a purpose for us going to him than even our free agency. Us going to him is, is a, it generates motion. It generates the ability to do and to act and to move. And he needs us to be in that motion because he knows that the human nature is to forget all he does for us. And so one way to help us not forget is to help us be a part of the process. Help it be part of who we are. And he says, I will work with the smallest amount of desire, the smallest amount of desire, and I can turn that into a huge tree of faith. He doesn't ask for much, but he says, I need you to want this. Because if you don't want this, it's just going to die where it's at. It's, the, it's that story in Alma of the seed of faith. It will wither and dry up if you are not coming to me. If you're not walking in that direction. You can't be walking backwards away from God. And he's yelling at you, trying to tell you to do these things. Which he is doing that with the Holy Ghost and every single thing out there. you got teachers and you got leaders and you got the Spirit of the Lord. And you've got the scriptures and you got all these things. And ministering angels you all these people that are trying all the time i know they are because i've had it in my life where i was walking the wrong direction and i can look back and i can see their hands constantly trying so desperately to help me like come on sherry come on that's the wrong direction you're not gonna get there if you go that way but it's hard to hear it's hard to hear so we have to come to him. We have to come in prayer. So they said, I, you know, I don't, and oh, that's the other thing I forgot. When he came back and asked the question, what were they doing? They were discussing. They were kind of murmuring and complaining about everything going on. They were discussing it among themselves. That's, I think that's key because I think that we often feel like when we have questions or concerns or worries or doubts or um, whatever it is, that it's easier to go to lunch with a friend and talk about it, call your mom, call your brothers and sisters, you know, talk with, amongst ourselves, seeking confirmation of, or answers of what we're worried about or what's going on in our minds. Well, the truth is we need to go to the Lord first and foremost. It's okay to talk to other people, but the Lord is where we need to go. Because he can see the grand scheme of things and he sees how awesome we are and how wonderful we are and all of the things he has placed in, in our lives and people along the way. And he just can see it all. He can see the obstacles. He can see the stumbling blocks. But he also sees the stepping stones and just all of the great things that we can do. And so when we seek his counsel first with a heart ready to receive it, then great things happen. In fact, 
Okay, so all of this leads me to this confusion with um, the church. So in the Book of Mormon, it really talks heavily about there's only two churches. There's a church of God and there's the church of the devil. That confused me for a lot of years because I thought to myself, I know that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is absolutely 100% true in the sense that the, in all senses. But I'm just saying that the reason why the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was so important to restore is because it's the Church of Jesus Christ. When Christ came, he organized his church. Well, just the adversary was just as much prevalent in those years as it is now and was going to do everything in his power to destroy that. He did everything in his power to prevent in the beginning, trying to have all of the young babies killed so that Jesus would not even have his ministry on the earth, right? And so he's always trying to destroy Christ's church because that gives what happens. It tells us in the Book of Mormon that there's only two churches. You just you destroy Christ's church, now you only have Satan's church. So he always is after that. So after Christ came and he had his 12 disciples and he had great followers and then they, you know, we know the story. So they crucified Christ and then one by one they killed the apostles until the um, keys of the priesthood were removed from the earth and there was no organization left. And so those who believed really held on tight and true to what they knew and tried so hard to hang on tight to that. Um, but there were just, Satan had just an evil plan. And so we have the apostasy where lots of stuff, lots and lots of good information was taken out of the Bible. The Bible contained all of the pure and precious truths of the church of Jesus, of the church of Jesus Christ until parts of it were removed. Now, the Bible is still the most amazing book. Like I said, we studied it last year and I loved it so much. It was, I learned. In fact, I, I realized how much the Bible supports the Book of Mormon and the Book of Mormon supports the Bible. These two work together as one. They are one in testifying of Jesus Christ and his ministry and his love for us and his atonement and the plan of salvation and how we get home. They are one. They stand together side by side. And it's just the most beautiful thing because we have prophets from both sides of the world testifying to us of the amazing mission of Jesus Christ and then what we can do to follow him. And then it has examples and examples and examples and examples and examples of devoted people, devoted prophets and people who followed the prophets who were willing to step outside of the world and to follow him. So it's amazing, the most amazing thing ever. But as I read this thing about those two churches, it was really hard on me because I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I attend a lot of churches. My husband's not a member of the Church of Christ Latter-day Saints. And so for 23 years, I have been attending every other week. We stay together as a family. We go with me, and then we go with him, and then we go with me, and then we go with him. <laughs> but anyhow, I've been attending these other churches, and I've attended ba Baptist and Methodist, Lutheran, Reformed, um, Presbyterian. And I will testify to you that there are people in every single congregation that I have ever been to that love the Lord so much. They seek him. They're guided by him. They love him. And there is truth in every one of those congregations. I learn every week I go to church. Every single week I learn. I pray to learn. Just like I pray to learn when I go to my church, I pray to learn when I go to my husband's churches. And they are all awesome. So this really was hard on me. So then I'm thinking, what does this mean? What does this mean? And then, um, And then I was reading it this last time, 
And this is just my opinion. And this is just me applying the scriptures to my life from my understanding. And like I said, I'm going to share what I learned for you to you. And if you want to ask the Lord, you should. If you want to get on your knees and ask the Lord if he can help you to have understanding for your life of how this can apply in your life, then you can do that. Or if what I'm saying is even true, you can do that as well. And that's how you'll have those confirmations. But I realized that there are only two churches, Church of Christ and Church of the Devil. There are only two forces working in this whole mortality. You are either following Christ or you are following Satan. And so it's not enough to, to pray about the Book of Mormon and the Restoration and think to yourself, Oh, yay! I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the true church on the earth today, full of all truth, right? It's not enough to say that. It's more about who are you following and where are you going? Because there's only two ways to do it. You can be in the mem- in a membership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you can fight against the prophets and you can fight against Christ's plan. And you can rally up other people because you, you get all worked up into some disputation or you got offended or you don't agree with something that was said or you wish that the, you know, some administration was run, run different or whatever the concern is, the disputation, the murmuring can begin and that can then become a movement towards the adversary away from Christ, right? And then I know that in these other churches of Christ that love the Lord, they too have the same thing going on in their churches. There's, they have those that are striving with prayer and inquiring of the Lord to seek after the Lord. And then they have those who are just kind of mindlessly, you know, if, if I just say I'm a member, I'm a member. So it's more of an action to me. It's a more of understanding that we have to be engaged in what Christ is asking us to do at all times. Like we have got to put aside the distractions. We have to put the Lord first. This is all so important. We have to pay attention to the Holy Ghost. We have to respond to this pro- His promptings. We have to become in tune to what the scriptures are telling us. We have to pray and inquire of the Lord to know for ourselves so we can filter through the deceptions and the lies in life. We have to do all of these things so that we are ready when Christ comes again. Because He's going to come again. We know that. And if he doesn't come in your lifetime, he'll come in your kid's lifetime. And if he doesn't come in their lifetime, he'll come in their, their grandkids' lifetime. And guess what? Your example is going to affect all of those generations. Look at Laman and Lemuel and Nephi as we read those stories and we, we see all the stuff they did and all of these examples that they set for us and not examples that they set for us. And, you know, I think about them, I think they were just one person or two or three people living their life. I doubt that at the time they could really comprehend the fact that they would become the Nephite nation and the Lamanite nation. So then the whole Book of Mormon is formed around the Nephites and the Lamanites. But it started off as three people, right? And that's same with us. What we decisions we make in our lives today affect huge amount of people. Generations and generations and generations and generations. We are preparing hearts and minds for of a lot of people. So Christ is going to come. And when he comes, we want our posterity to be prepared. And that starts with us. So it's just important for us to diligently seek that with all the fervency of our heart, as it is if we knew the exact date for that generation, because that generation would not be ready. And the Lord knows that. 
procrastination would set in. It's a tool that the adversary uses very well. And procrastination would set in. If the Lord gave us a date, this is the day I'm coming, we would all wait, you know, not all of us. So hopefully all of us would seek the Lord with all diligence at heart, but many might be a little more um, apt to procrastinate in the sense that um, we would have that date, but that generation would not be prepared if it didn't have the ancestors behind it. I can literally feel the spiritual DNA of my ancestors who crossed the plains and those who found the gospel for the first time and those who followed him diligently and those who walked on the snow with no shoes and those who carried their baby dolls thousands of miles. I can feel their strength. I definitely can feel the strength of my own mother and father and their diligence in not just learning the gospel, not just believing the gospel, but living the gospel in every aspect of their lives. I can feel their strength and it, it, it fuels me who I am. And I, there's nothing greater I can give my children than that same fortification to love the Lord with all their heart, might, and mind. And to let's do this. Let's go out there. Let's, let's fight. Let's love the Lord. And so then in, in the end of first Nephi, remember, this is just first Nephi. This is, we, we have 530 pages here and we, <laughs> this is super exciting. But in the end of first Nephi, it talks a little bit about this and it talks about, um, oh, you know, I really do like that. I'm going to see if I can look that up real quick while I'm talking to you. Because I do like, when I was talking about the different the churches, I do like what it talks about, you know, you can kind of kind of learn for yourself who are you following. He kind of goes into the fall of the church of the devil. And it's pretty awesome. So this is First Nephi 22, 29. For the time speedily shall come, that all churches which are built up to get gain, so you just think to yourself, you know, let's just turn, let's just be, turn this individual. We, it doesn't really help us if we worry about what every single other person's doing. So when you read the scriptures, if you really just think, how can I apply this to me? Then that's the way you're going to grow the absolute most. Because if you take care of you, that's going to help your spouse, which is going to help your children, which is going to help, you know what I'm saying? So and it's so easy to see everyone else's faults where we just need to worry about what can we do to grow closer. Now, I'm not saying we just need to worry about ourselves because I don't think this is, you know, I don't think, I think the Lord tells us that we need to worry about everybody else in service and in love, but he doesn't want us to go about and point fingers and worry about them in that sense. So here we go. For the time speedily come, um, shall come that all churches which are built up to get gain so i just find that to be people who aren't humble um and seeking after what the lord wants they're more set on the pride of the world right and all those who are built up to get power over the flesh so power of the flesh would same thing if you are seeking for your own status and if you're trying to put yourself if you're trying to put yourself ahead of god that might be kind of strong but you know, is, does God come first in your life? Or are you more worried about how many likes you have on Instagram? Or um, if you're going to have the cutest outfit on at your lunch date today? You know, are, or are you more concerned with, I mean, those those are kind of extreme because you can look cute and go to, you know, you can do Instagram and you can look cute at your lunch date. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say, in, if we look at this individual, if I stop and look at my own life and I think to myself, you know, where where am I on this scale? So get power over the flesh. Okay. 
and those who are built up to become popular in the eyes of the world and those who seek the lusts of flesh and the things of the world and to do all manner of iniquity, yea, in fine, all those who belong to the kingdom of the devil and are they who need fear and tremble and quake. They are those who t must be brought low in the dust. They are those who must be consumed as stubble. And this is according to the word of the prophet. So, yeah, we don't want to be those. <laughs> and then he says in 25, this is First Nephi 22:25, And he gathereth his children from the four quarters of the earth, and he numbereth his sheep, and they know him. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd, and he shall feed his sheep, and in him they shall find pasture. So, we are learning to know who our Savior is. Are you learning to know who your Savior is, where you're at? And does the Savior know you? And I guarantee he knows every single person on the entire earth. But he is asking us to know him. He wants us to know him just as much as he knows us. And we can do that. We can do that by seeking after him and by following the Holy Ghost. But my favorite part of this whole thing is after all this happens, so, you know, the unrighteous are gone by the wayside and the righteous are saved, I guess. He gathers them together and from the four quarters of the earth. So this did, this involves all different denominations, all different faiths, all people who sought, sought the Lord. They sought Christ. They sought God. Whatever their level of, of knowledge was, they did their best and sought after that. He gathers them together. He knows their hearts. They know him. They seek after him, right? And because of their righteousness, and because of the righteousness of his people, of his people, Satan has no power. That is my favorite part right there because we have to apply this to our lives right now. If the power of a, of a group of people can give Satan no power, right? Then the power of an individual has got to be able to stop Satan's ability to have power over that individual. We know that to be true because Moroni lived in a time when there was quite a bit of wickedness, lots of wars and rumor of wars and da 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 You've got the Nephites, you've got the Lamanites, and you got, you know, people following the Lord and people not following the Lord. And it said that Satan had no power over him. It was because of his righteousness. So we can individually become righteous enough to where Satan has no power over us. That's exciting to me. And then he goes on to say, um, he hath no power over the hearts of the people, for they dwell in righteousness. No power over the hearts of the people because they dwell in righteousness. I remember there was a whole section at one of Mark's churches that we went to um, years back where the pastor talked about guarding our hearts. And it was a wonderful section. And I love it because here it says, why do we want to guard our hearts? Because we know that the adversary wants our hearts and Christ wants our hearts. And we follow Christ. We are members of Christ's church. We are walking towards him. We love him. That is the direction we're headed. We're seeking after his advice and he will protect our hearts as we seek to follow him, to keep his commandments, to ask him to guide us. And then it goes on to say that he will be our shelter. And when I think about shelter, I think about storms. Tornadoes are in my area. Other people have hurricanes. Um, other people might have um, hail. We have snowstorms, we have avalanches, whatever it is, whatever's gonna, whatever storm is in your life. And now let's take that out of storms and into our lives. We have illness, we have financial, we have um, wayward children, we have 
um, our, things that are just going on inside our own bodies. Some people suffer from depression, anxiety. Um, uh, it just goes on and on and on and on. Eating disorders, um, hoarding. I don't know. It goes on and on. We just have so many storms in our lives that are just, and not everybody has the same storm. And it's a, that's okay because you guess how to deal with your own little storm. But what is the shelter? So what do you do if there's a tornado? You go into a safe place. What do you do if you are going to be hit by a hurricane? You leave, you evacuate, and you go somewhere safe. You might even board up your house, safeguard it, right? But Christ promises us that in the storms of life, he will be our shelter. He is our shelter, guys. We have to go to him for everything in our lives that is beating upon us. We have to give the adversary no power. Because our hearts are protected by Christ. Because that is where we dwell. We dwell in his hands. He says, I hold you in the palms of my hand. It's agency if we want to stay in those palms of his hands. He's, he has us. But if we want to be recognize it. And we want to realize how much love and care and understanding and compassion could possibly be part of our lives. We got to go dwell in the hands of the Lord. And he's there holding us. He's holding us. It's so fun because I have this one story of um, in the grocery store. It was years ago, but my little, I think it was Rex, had a really bad sore leg and he was walking and just complaining. And I said, Honey, we just have to get a few things. It's going to be okay. He's complaining, complaining. Finally, he just sat down and just started sobbing. He was not going to have it. And so I picked him up. So I was just crying. I got to go home, blah, blah. You know, the world's ending. So I picked him up and carried him. And we were able to finish our grocery shopping. His legs still hurt, but he was able to finish because I carried him and he let me carry him. In the beginning, he didn't want to be held and then I held him and he was able to finish it. And so I think about that a lot with when I go through hard times sometimes and I just have to say, okay, I just follow my sister's model. Let go, let God. And I just have to let go and just say, you're going to have to carry me. I cannot go any further on my own. And even though sometimes he's not able to remove the exact situation, so maybe I still am suffering from whatever that pain or whatever that ailment is or whatever that trial is is still there but he carries me so that I can do it I can finish so I can finish so I might still have a little pain in my leg but I can finish what I need to do he strengthens me he carries me he fortifies me and I'm able to press forward and keep going and you know what with a happy attitude that was the other thing that was cute with that story is we talked we laughed we had a lot of fun and he was able to really enjoy the grocery shopping trip from that point on and I feel like that's what God's asking us to do I feel like that's what Christ is asking us to do like I'm right here you don't have to throw a fit I'm right here I will hold you I will hold you in my arms and I will help you finish and I know you still might have to suffer through the ailments that you're dealing with but if you will come to me we can laugh we can smile I can give you joy and peace and comfort and you can be in my arms and I'll hold you and I'll hug you. <laughs> oh, it's just the place I want to go dwell right now. Well, if you've been able to pull any nuggets of truth from this, please come and follow us on spiritualcrusade.com. And we have a podcast every week and we would love you to come listen to it. And I just hope that you will open your book of Mormons up and start reading them. And if you're already reading them, I hope that you will pray about it and ask the Lord to help you be able to apply what you're reading to in in the Book of Mormon that day to your own lives so that it can become alive in you and it can start to change how you look at life and the way that you feel the Lord looks at you. 
And I'll tell you right now that he loves you and that he made you perfectly and that you're doing a great job and he could not be more proud. So let's just keep doing better and let's keep moving together. Let's hold hands on this journey of life and skip towards Christ. And I say the same thing, Jesus Christ, amen.